what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Peoria Spring Race was last Saturday. Jesse Janish has a little win streak of his own going at that historic track. Henry Wiles continues to dominate as well. We learned earlier this week that Hayden Gillum will be joining the series for four events, Buffalo Chip, Rapid City, Peoria, and Springfield. He'll be moving on to the AFT Twins class, piloting an Indian FTR 750. I've got a hometown race for me this weekend, hanging out with family and friends to celebrate my Graham and Pa's 70th anniversary and Pa's 87th birthday party. And then tonight, I'll head on down to Indian Motorcycle of Oklahoma City for a meet and greet and autograph session with Chad Coase. The Oklahoma City Mile is tomorrow, only cushion-style mile racetrack on the circuit, and it's going to be a warm one. In the singles class, Shana Texter took the win last year, Tristan Avery finished second and led five laps, Kevin Stallings led seven laps early before having mechanical issues. This year I'm expecting those three to run up front, but watch out for Jesse Janish and Ryan Wells, two experienced riders who should have the corner speed needed to compete for the win. You also need to throw the previous event winner's name in the hat. Colby Carlisle is riding the momentum train, looking for his third mile win of the season. In the Twins class last year, Jared Meese got the win after a late race pass. Brad Baker led 23 laps made a crucial mistake in turn number three while catching up to a lap rider. This year, look for Meese to be strong once again, but I'm picking Brad Baker for the win. I wouldn't be surprised to see Chad Coase running up front as well. It's a big race for him and his sponsor, Indian Motorcycle of Oklahoma City. Henry Wiles can wrestle the Indian through the deep stuff. Look for him to be up front contending for the victory. This week's guest is another privateer from the Golden State. When I first met him, he was number 23Z in a set of Stevie Bonzi's old leathers. Since then, he's gone on to make a name for himself in the national circuit. He's earned his national number last year in Peoria. Here's James Monaco, number 22. Hello? Yes, sir. Who, who's this? This is James Monaco. Who's this? This is Hollywood Dubler. Am I talking to national number 22 from California? Yes, sir. Yes, you are. How you doing, Dubler? Hey, man, I'm doing good. It's good uh, catching up with you. And uh, I just want to say thanks again for the T-shirt I got from you at the, at the Red Mile. It's pretty cool. And uh, I, I love supporting the racers, and, and I love your shirt. That, that logo looks really good. I appreciate it. No, that uh, goes right back in the gas tank. And I uh, just got those shirts made a couple weeks ago before Sacramento, and I'm glad you like it. I appreciate you supporting. Absolutely. So let's just jump right into it. Let's get to, to know James Monaco, National Number 22. So where were you born at? Born and raised in Manesto, California. Um, just born on the outskirts of town, kind of on the east side of town out in the country. And uh, live on an almond farm basically so we got 160 acres and grew up helping out on the farm and, and doing all that kind of stuff so uh definitely a country kid so i'm not gonna take credit but uh when i was working with chris carr when he was actually in the booth with me announcing he'd every time he's, we'd say your name or i'd say your name he'd always slide in there the son of an almond farmer so does that get old are you tired of hearing it no i mean it's it's a pretty good nickname i know i get a lot of people walk up to me in the pits and ask me about it this and that someday hopefully if i get a little bit faster i can uh maybe get a cooler nickname but it works for now i uh i don't mind it i kind of like it i always thought it was really funny when you guys would say it i was like i like that you know why didn't i think of that exactly so uh what was it like growing up in modesto it's it's a pretty quiet town but it's good riding so i i was lucky enough to grow up around like Kenny Roberts and stuff like that. Him being about 10 minutes away from my house, that was pretty cool. His ranch was right there. My dad always kind of kept me up and around that area and uh, got to do a lot of riding up with those guys. And just, I got a lot of good influence, I think, for sure. There's a lot of good stuff to do. It's not a big city. You know, it's your typical kind of a small, almost like a country town, but I kind of made my own fun. I didn't really hang out in town much. I mean, I was always out, you know, on the farm with my brother um riding motorcycles and doing all that kind of fun stuff and getting dirty riding bicycles building jumps all that fun stuff so yeah i didn't really hang out much in town and played baseball and whatnot growing up but i spent a lot of my time just out there hanging out and working on farm driving tractor doing all that fun stuff so how did you mentioned about you know growing up with a lot of people that race and close to kenny roberts but how did you first decide you wanted to ride a motorcycle do you remember that first memory yeah, I do. It was 
it was funny. I mean, really, when I was a kid, it was I'd wake up in the morning and, you know, mom would put on on any Sunday. And that was just a, a video I really couldn't get enough of. That was something I just, I was ate up with. I just loved motorcycles. My dad used to put me on the tank of his XR100 and ride around the ranch and let me run the clutch and the front brake and stuff like that and just kind of, you know, ride on his lap. And that was something that was, I remember, and I remember, man, I can't wait to, you know, ride my own bike someday. I had a bicycle that I'd ride the heck out of, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to learn to ride. You know, that's just something I want to do super bad, and I just grew up watching, like I said, all those VHSs, and I'm like, man, that's that's what I want to do. If I could ever do that, that'd be really cool. What kind of tracks did you first start riding on it, and where did you first race a motorcycle? Well, my first motorcycle was a, a MR50 Honda, so it's a three-speed, hand-clutch, air-cooled. It's like a, it looks like a little Elsinore. And my dad got that for Christmas when I was five and uh, started it up in the house on Christmas Day. Typical deal. It was, it was pretty awesome. I used to just ride around my house, um, just made kind of little tracks around the house, stuff like that. And my first race, I think I raced out in Vallejo. Um, they had a short track in the Bay area there and got absolutely smoked by CRF 50s, Z 50s, everyone, all these other kids on 50s. And I just got paddled and I was like, oh, I didn't even know what was going on really. I was like, wow, this is uh, a lot different than I expected, you know, and rode the MR quite a bit. But, you know, I never really started racing until I was about probably 12. I, you know, I play road a lot and, and went trail riding a lot, but I never really started the racing deal until I was about, like I said, 10 or 12. Um, so I'm kind of a, a late bloomer, you know, a lot of kids did the PW 50 thing and all that and started racing at a real young age. And I definitely had a late start with that. So, um, I just liked riding at the beginning. I didn't really know kind of what I like to do, but I knew I liked to ride. So you mentioned your brother just a little bit and your dad, of course, with the almond farm and stuff, but your brother, I see he, he posts a lot of stuff. He still rides too, just not at the level that you're at. Is that right? Yeah, we grew up racing quite a bit together. We'd go every weekend to all the local stuff, like Lodi and South Hill. I had a short track growing up, and all the local stuff we do together. And, um, you know, he's not a big DTX guy, so he really likes framers and old-school stuff, vintage stuff, full tacos. And uh, I just, he likes going and having fun. And, and when the stress of racing and travel comes into play, he's like, man, forget that. You know, if it, if it starts getting too stressful, it just takes the fun out of it. So he's real take it or leave it. You know, he'll, uh, when we're going racing, it's all good. It's all fun. But, you know, sometimes he'll rather, you know, throw a jet ski in the back, just take up trucks out to the lake for the weekend with his buddies and, and hang out. You know, he's, uh, he's kind of that way, but he's got a ton of natural talent. A lot of people tell me all the time that he's got more natural talent than me. And I agree. I mean, if whenever he decides to put his head down, I mean, shoot, I might stop riding and start spinning inches for him. Cause, uh, He'll hop on a bike and, and throw down with anybody that comes out to the house, you know, and he's uh, he's a hell of a pilot for sure. Does he still have that uh, framer that's kind of like orange and white, like the old Marlboro paint scheme? Is that is that is that his motorcycle? Is that yours or is that still in the family? Yeah, so the story on that is it actually belongs to Kenny Roberts. And it was, when it was first ever built, it was one of the Lawwell Roberts bikes. Uh, it's a night frame. It's got an uh, 81 CR250 in it, but it originally had a YZ250 in it. And um, so that was one of their team bikes, the like the blue and yellow Wrangler paint bikes um, in the early 80s there. And Kenny had it and put a Honda in it for, uh, for Curtis and Kenny Jr. to ride at Lodi um, in the later 80s and early 90s and stuff. So the, that was the kids' bikes. So the kids rode that um, at like Newman and stuff. And then, gosh, it's been through a few people. It went to Ray Abrams and Jimmy Abrams wrote it for a little bit. And then it kind of sat. And Kenny got it back. And then Kenny always said when me and Don were kids, he was like, you know, this is one of the best handling motorcycles. When you guys get big enough, you're going to have to take this thing out and ride it. And, you know, we got big enough and he let us take it. And we uh, rode it quite a bit at the house. And Dom just took a love into the thing. I, I could, to be honest with you, Scotty, I couldn't ride it as good as Dom rides it. Like, I don't know how he does it. It's, it's so narrow. It's like a little bicycle. I mean, it's light and it's kind of like Kaczynski's bike. It's, it's, it's real similar to the bike that Don rides like at Paris and stuff. So still has the 81 CR250 in it. And Dom has just done a ton of stuff to it. It's got, he, he's just 
been down to the frame a couple times and every bolt, everything has gone over and he, that's his thing is he's just the attention to detail he has is, is crazy. But I know a lot of people really like that bike and he'd take it and run it in open A races. He'd run it against four fifties. He's he'd he'll ride it wherever he loves it. Um, it's just, you know, not as dependable. I mean, there was a couple of times we went, or one time we went to Daytona and we stopped in Savannah and he rode it at the half mile and changed the gearing, went to Daytona short track and rode it there and, and had some luck on it too. So, uh, it's kind of a funny bike. A lot of people dig it and, now we still have it. He's just in the in the middle of actually rebuilding the motor because um, he seized it a while back. So that's what he's been tinkering on right now in the shop. Well, the paint job on that thing is beautiful. I remember, uh, I guess when I was growing up, uh, a few of the, the fast guys went over to Spain for an exhibition. And, and you know, uh, Ronnie Jones was a good friend of mine growing up. And he had leathers that matched that. And they had, they all went over there and rode the, you know, almost the exact same looking motorcycle. And it was, this, it was the same colors as that bike that you guys have now. So it's pretty cool. It brings back a lot of memories to me. I really like it. Yeah, the the glass on the bike um, is some of that Rotax glass. So those Rotaxes they had in Spain, like at that training school and stuff, um, there were some spare parts up at the ranch and Dom was going and redoing it. And he's like, you know, I'd like to redo this thing and make it look just like one of those road taxes. So that's kind of what he did on the last build. Um, he found a couple sets of the Marlboro glass and, and, uh, it fit right on and it, uh, it looks pretty cool. Definitely. There's a couple of those road taxes still up at the ranch. So that's definitely a, a definitely cool time period for sure. So you mentioned Kenny Roberts Ranch a little bit. So do you still go up there now, or is it you know is it something you did more as a kid? Well, the ranch has recently been sold about uh, probably been about four or five months now. Um, he sold it. So growing up when I was a kid, it was it was kind of like a hotbed. I mean, a lot of people would come up there and you know ride mini bikes in the wintertime and train and hang out stevie bonds you'd go up there a lot of guys would go up there in the wintertime. we had a lot of uh actually jorge lorenzo went up and he had never ridden on dirt before this is i mean he rode a lot of like metric kit stuff and little road racers but he had never ridden on dirt and he came over gosh i was probably 10 at the time i didn't even realize what was going on and he was in the moto 2 class and he was about to start riding moto gp and he came over and trained for probably about a month month and a half um and just it was wake up, prep the track, and uh, ride 150s every single day, and it was a really cool deal. And we would do that, gosh, every single winter. You would have Moto Three riders, um, a lot of Japanese riders would come out that had never ridden on dirt, never had a steel shoe on, and basically, you know, put them put them through the camp and uh, and host them at his house and stuff. We had a lot of fun every New Year's. It was a big party. And, um, as the years went on, it started to kind of slow down and people got busy and stuff like that. But, um, we did have a lot of fun up there. We went and rode all the time. There was, you know, a couple natural terrain motocross tracks we'd ride at. We'd just go and hang out with Kenny and all that fun stuff. So it was a, a really cool time in my life to like grow up around stuff like that and got a lot of good advice and got a lot of funny comments made to me too along the way. So Kenny's a character. If you've ever had the, chance to hang out with the guy he uh he's a funny one for sure but probably five or six years ago they planted most of the ranch in almonds and you know we farm almonds so my dad kind of helped him a little bit with you know, giving him advice and stuff like that so they planted most of the whole ranch they kept a couple tracks um throughout most of it but planted most of it in almonds and uh curtis was uh working out there a lot and, and staying there and helping farm and and all that and it just kind of got to the point where it was uh you know it just it wasn't wasn't working you know and they thought that it'd just be better to kind of part ways and the museum's still there i believe everything's still in the museum i helped clean up and whatnot but uh just kind of end of an era for sure and uh, it's sad i had a lot of fun there and shoot me my brother everyone uh, we had a good time a lot of good New Year's parties, and uh, one of the last New Year's parties, Bo Thompson, Michael Lambert, and Damon Coca, uh, my brother, we all went up there, and it was kind of cool. It was, like I said, it was, we knew it was going to be one of the last ones, and uh, so we went up there and had just a great time. Rode for two days straight, hung out, and, you know, had some drinks and barbecued and all that fun stuff, and lit off fireworks, and definitely had a good time. That sounds like a lot of fun, man. Good stories and good memories that you always have with you. 
before we get into your racing stuff, you actually have a full-time job. You own your own business there in California. You're like the pool guy, right? You're everybody's dream, the <laughs> pool guy. You got the dream job. That's right. You could say that. It uh, definitely keeps me busy. The story on it is uh, called Pacific Coast Pools, and my dad started it in about 2001. And he started it uh, just because, you know, racing motorcycles was expensive, and, you know, he wanted to uh, get bikes and camp trailers and stuff like that for us and, and have all that kind of fun stuff. So he was thinking, man, what can I do on the side um, to kind of help all that happen? And he started doing the pool deal, started out with 10 accounts and kind of built it up from there and ran it by himself for a long time. We had a couple of helpers as I was growing up and whatnot, but for the last four years, I've been doing it. Um, basically, ever since graduated high school, I've been kind of running it. And uh, it's a cool deal. I got 85 accounts and it keeps me really busy and full serves, cam only, um, kind of do it all. It's funny. I don't even really advertise that much. I get so much word of mouth. Just I'll get calls of people who refer me or you know, guys leaning over the back fence of neighbors saying, Hey man, I want you to charge. So it's kind of crazy how it's all, uh, it's all happened. It's just, um, it's definitely a trip, but it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's, it's neat that I can be flexible. As long as my route's done, I can kind of do what I need to do on the weekend. I just got to get back that next week to, uh, get back to work for a few days and make sure everything's handled. I've had a little bit of help along the way, but, um, you know, no one pays attention to detail like you do. So, Sometimes I have to, that's the only unfortunate part. I don't get to hang out during the week that much back east. I usually have to kind of bust butt back home so I can make sure everything's good here. Man, that is really cool. So you work hard for your money just so you can go racing and live your dreams. Let's jump into the racing. You, you turned pro back in 2012, 17th in the GNC two-point standings in 2015 with a best finish of 7th at the Daytona Short Track. So did you like the GNC two class? You got to ride the singles and the twins a little bit. Did you like that class? I like that format. That was pretty cool. I remember when, when I first started in 2012, um, Craig Rogers actually put me on and let me ride uh, a 450 that Sean Russell used to race. And it was cool. I never really imagined it to, to work out as, as well as it did when I first got started. So in 2012, I had that 450 and I knew I was going to try to go pro sports. So I applied for my license and I kind of figured, oh, all right, I want to hit all the races I've always kind of wanted to go to. I didn't want to do a whole series or, you know, the whole season. I just wanted to do what I thought would be fun. So me and my dad and my brother, we started working on the bike and, uh, Daytona came around and a good buddy of mine, Mike Yavar, uh, let me throw my stuff in with him in the van. I had never been cross country. I don't even think I raced outside of California before. And to go to Daytona and like, I think I qualified seventh. I know I ended up six the first night and 12th the next night. Uh, at the two-day national Daytona, I was like, wow, um, I didn't really expect it to go that good, you know, and um, as the year went on, I kind of struggled a little bit. I had a couple of good rides, but I mean, I never never ended up on the box. Um, I remember Springfield Mile, both of them, I ended up 12th uh, in the springtime and in the fall. I ended up 12th at both of those races and um, had some decent rides, but it was kind of a, it was a cool year. I learned a lot and I never, like I said, I never expected for it to go that great and uh kind of went through like a slump for a little bit just growing up and i didn't really there's just certain things i didn't really know and kind of paying my dues and, and getting my butt kicked and set up stuff and gearing and stuff that i wasn't really paying attention to so you know there was a couple you know i think 2013 i struggled quite a bit 2014 all the west coast stuff i do pretty good i usually was always in the top 10 and uh, I set fast time at Sack Mile twice, and I think I ended up eighth there a couple times. So it was I always had pretty decent top ten rides. Nothing crazy, nothing to write home about, but I was always in the mix. That's cool. So 12th overall in the 2016 GNC2 season uh, with uh, six top tens and a best result of six at Sacramento. So was that a, a successful year for you, 2016? That was, uh, I put a lot of effort into that year. I, I know that for a fact. I remember um, we just, I had an opportunity to work with a guy uh, that was a local guy who wanted to go racing and, and wasn't really super in the scene, but he wanted to kind of help out. So he uh, he definitely stepped up and bought two 2016 Yamahas in the crate. I remember uh, setting them up and all that fun stuff. And we had a CNJ Cowie also. And, um, so going into the year, I'd try every single day. I'd go over to that shop, and um, I'd just 
freaking was working on stuff, trying to just be as prepared as possible. Cause I just, I wanted to have the best shot I could. And I wanted to have a really good season that year. I wanted to, you know, be as prepared as possible and going to Daytona struggled a little bit on the new bikes thing. I ended up 12th at the, at the national the second night. But uh, as the twin stuff went on, we ended up doing pretty good. We had a really good setup calendar that year, and it was just a, a pretty mellow built 700, but it ran real well. And we were always, always in the mix too. Like Sack, I remember me and Lowry got in a pretty good battle in the heat race, and he beat me by like .02 of a second. We, there were definitely some good races that year, and I rode pretty freaking hard, and uh, it was fun. It was, it was definitely a fun and, and memorable year because it was, it was such a challenge just to go racing that year. But uh, guys like Dave Zanotti and stuff stepped up and basically said, you know, you can you can put your bike in with us in the truck. You just got to help drive. And I was like, heck, man, that's a that's a hell of a deal. I'll definitely do that. So a lot of little stuff that um, I've done like that, just kind of getting bikes taken around, getting me around. Just you know, I've had to drive or do this and that. So it's been uh, really cool opportunities. That's awesome. So in 2017, you decided to make the jump up to the AFT Twins class. So how did that come about? And and did you talk to other people along the way about moving up to the Twins class? You know, the, the point deal, how they would do it as far as advancement points, so it, it seems to change every year. But, you know, after I think 2013, I had the points to go up. I wasn't ready, but I had the points. And I always kind of kept it in the back of my mind you know, that's what I want to do someday. Someday I want to get a national number. That's on my bucket list. That's something I want to do. Um, but I just didn't know how I was going to get there and, you know, how I was going to make it happen. So 2017 um, is a year where big rule changes. So the singles class was kind of changed up a bit and people were kind of dropping down. The twins class was different. Equipment was, the equipment thing was tough. So you couldn't have a Yamaha 450 and a Honda 450 sitting in your pit. You had to have two of the same brand. There's a lot of rules that were, were tough, especially if you're on a budget. That was the biggest thing. Slipper clutches were mandatory, all sorts of things like that. So that was real tough. And going into the year, I was thinking, you know what? I want to ride the singles class and I, I want to try to like really do good this year. I want to, I want to kind of be the big fish in the small pond. And um, I had two Yamaha 450s, a local Yamaha shop, the Brop shop helped out and, and let me take one of their old Supercross bikes. And I built that up. And then I had a personal Yamaha 450 as well. So I got everything dialed the best I could and went to Daytona. And Savannah had a motor issue with one bike. And then at the National um, in Daytona, I had an issue with the other bike. So we had two Nationals after that. And I was staying back there. And I had that Cowie 700 with me in the back of my box stand to just try to get on a Savannah and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just can't keep rebuilding these 450s. I, I almost would rather bump up and, you know, get my butt kicked for a while, but at least I'm getting seat time. At least I'm getting experience and I can start kind of picking away at it. You know, I saw a couple kids bump up and they had some luck and I felt like, man, I'm, you know, I'm just as good as that guy. I think I could do it. And I went into the office. I sat down with uh, Chris Carr and McGrath, and we talked about it and went over uh, my results and stuff like that. And um, from even from the prior year, 2016, I had points. Um, I had like you know you had to have I think 100 in a single season or something like that. And I just kind of pulled the trigger. I had no idea what I was gonna do or how I was gonna do it, but I knew I had that 700. So I mean, if it came down to it, I'd ride a couple races a year and just get seat time and kind of take it from there. So yeah, after Daytona going into Georgia that year, just pulled the trigger and, uh, rode my Cowie 700 for the first few races. And that's kind of that. I just was like, you know what? I don't, you know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to try it. Man, that's a great story. I didn't know all that backstory. And I, I assumed that you went into the start of the season, ready to go to the twins class. So it's cool to, to get the backstory on, on how you moved up. So, uh, also in 2017, you made your first Grand National main event at the Peoria TT, and you finished 13th. You earned your national number. Talk us through that day, making your first main event. How did that feel? That was an absolute dream come true. It's it funny because the whole year, you know, starting out, like I just said, trying to uh, just trying to ride a twin and, you know, having all my having all my 450s get kind of sideways and only having my 700. Um, the year, you know, kept going on. 
and I got to throw my leg over a couple people's, you know, cowies and, and different stuff and got to ride some different things and different uh, opportunities popped up. And I was actually in Sturgis at, uh, right before the Buffalo chip. And I had that same cowie in the back of my van. And then I had an SV 650 with a front brake on and I was going to ride the TT. And I got a call from, uh, I got a call from Sammy O and he said, Hey, what, uh, what are you doing? What, what, you know, I'm kind of looking for a rider, this and that, you got a spare set of plates. And I said, you know, I actually do have a spare set of plates. Um, I'm sure whatever you got's definitely, uh, definitely better than this SV650 here at the TT. And that's kind of where we hit it off and started doing a couple races together and uh, ended up breaking a brake pedal off at, at Buffalo Chip. And Peoria was right around the corner. And I always, I've done pretty good there in the past. The, the prior year I ended up six, and I always felt real comfortable there. So I was like, you know what? I just kind of knew in my head, like, if I can keep everything together and and not break anything off, basically, I think I should be able to do okay there. And went to the national and felt pretty solid. And shoot, man, first practice out, broke the brake pedal off again and the foot peg. And I'm thinking, that's it, man, day is done. I, I don't know what to do. That's it. But uh, Stacy Cooper and Kevin Kieran were there in the pits helping out. And she uh, she went to the hardware store and uh, got some threaded rod. And we did our best MacGyvering. And uh <laughs> Definitely helped out and and got it back going again. Got the foot peg back onto the last qualifying session. I think I qualified around like 15th or so, 14th or 15th. Nothing, nothing too great, but I mean, it was it was decent. I knew if I could just you know keep going forward, I could probably put it in the main event. And uh, the formatting was kind of weird that day. They took, I think it was like six out of the heat and then four out of a semi, or something like that. I can't quite remember, but I ended up getting second. Um, in the uh, in the semi, put me in the transfer. Ended up beating Cool Bet or something, so I thought that was pretty cool beating the childhood hero. Um, but that was cool. I mean, it was just man, it was so surreal for me because I've wanted that for so long. And I know for some guys, that's nothing. I mean, it's making main events every single weekend. It's nothing for them, but for me, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, that's just to go down and say that you know at that one point in time that was my number you know I had a national number for a year this and that just to say that is huge because there's so much sacrifice involved and um you know so much stuff you put to the side to go and chase a dream that you don't always know if it's if it's going to become a reality I mean you just you do it because you love it and that's why I do it man that's such a great story i love i love how everything came together for you you know starting at the buffalo chip before we leave the peoria tt one other cool thing is the king of peoria henry wiles left something slid something in the door of your van can you tell us about that yeah i mean uh me and henry kind of go back quite a bit through some mutual friends a buddy of mine a good family friend named dante is good friends with george mack who's also a good family friends always helped me out um Dante would come and stay out on the West Coast in the wintertime when I was growing up and he'd come stay out at my house and we'd do rides and go ride and do this and that and we always were pretty good buddies and I definitely looked up to him and uh man he laughed me quicker than heck that day I was like god he was on a different level I swear he was probably lap 13 of a 25 lap main event and he went flying by I'm like I better pick it up this is this is pretty sad he made me feel pretty bad that day but I was going out to uh, out to my van the next morning. We stayed at the same hotel, and he uh, he shoved one of his make lap track grade again uh, number plates inside the window and signed on it. And congrats on making your first main event. So that that meant a lot to me. I mean, for him to take the time out of his day to do that, that was uh, that was pretty dang cool. That was such a memorable day and night. You know, um, I'll never forget that. It it means a lot to me. You know, it was definitely cool, and I'm just such a a fan of Peoria. I mean, I'm not. I'm a racer, but really at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just a big fan too. You know, I, I just love all this stuff. Uh, I can't get enough of it. So definitely a cool, memorable day. That's awesome. So in the off season between 2017 and this year, 2018, did you already have a deal set up with Sammy O to keep riding for him? And, and you know, is it like a, you guys just have a, a verbal contract? Do you ride for him the whole year or, or what's your, what's your plans for the rest of 2018? Last year, we only planned on really doing a few races together or doing whatever we really could. And then after Peoria, um, I was on my way driving back home, and uh, I had a blowout on this trailer. And I was uh, I was at a Love's gas station somewhere in Nevada, and I got a call from Sam, and he said, "Hey, you know, what are you doing next year?" I'm like, "I I don't really know yet. I've just been kind of taking it race by race. I haven't really got there yet. I'm not sure." 
and said, well, you know, if you want to work together next year, we can keep kind of chipping away at this and, and see where things go. And I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd really like that. It was, you know, a really cool opportunity. I get along with him well. And, you know, we all really gel properly, I think, and, and have fun and um, definitely have a good, good vibe in the pit, which is important. And that's, yeah, it was just kind of a verbal contract and you take it, you know, race by race and, and then going to Dallas after that, and we made another name. So that was kind of cool to make, you know, two in a year was neat. I didn't, going into the year, I didn't plan on making any. So that was pretty cool. And uh, no, that was, uh, it was a neat year. Then going into Paris, I think, shoot, I qualified like eighth. I thought that was pretty cool front row for a heat race and punched a hole in the bottom of the motor and ran through my own oil and went down. But it was, the start of it was a pretty cool day. That was, uh, that was a, a cool one too. So it's, it's just tough. I mean, it's, it's a really tough deal. Um, making the jump from the singles class to this was a bit off a little more than I can chew. Um, but I've definitely been putting my head down and doing the homework and doing everything I can to just show up prepared. It's all about being prepared. I think, you know, I, I would have to agree with you 100%. So in the off season, I, I've seen somewhere that you do some free riding in the hills. Can you explain that to us? Well, I got some, uh, I got some hills kind of out by my house towards the Bay area. And, uh, just, you know, a buddy of mine, Billy Carpenter and Anthony Nava, they, uh, they invited me out one time and said, hey, come out and, and ride in the hills. I'm like, man, I don't know about this, but, you know, okay, I'll give it a try. And I, I started riding with him about a year ago. I'd always go to the local motocross tracks and, and, and see him there and stuff. But I didn't, you know, I didn't really hang out with him much because I was so busy facing and, and traveling and doing this and that. But uh, I started riding with uh, this electric bike company out of uh, South San Francisco called Alta. And I was a little skeptical at the beginning. I'm like, man, what's this all about? You know, but a buddy of mine, Dale Lineweaver, lined me up with like a test day. And we went out and shoot, I think he brought like eight of these bikes. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, I'm going to do a lot of riding today. And we were just testing different softwares and, and maps and stuff like that. And I ended up really liking the bike. Like, I was like, man, this is really enjoyable. At the beginning, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm going to like it. But a little bit different, you know, no transmission. You're not shifting gears, anything like that. It's just kind of twist and go. But you go by a lot of your other senses. Um, I mean, because you don't have, got no noise. Um, like I said, you're not putting it in a certain gear or anything like that. So the noise thing is what's tough. Like riding around other gas bikes makes it really hard to ride the thing because it's almost like you're riding a like a mountain bike slash RC car. Like it's the weirdest thing ever. Um, you know, really torquey, but it puts the power right to the ground. It's, it's a real trip, but um, it's just fun. The, the stress of, you know, going back to the free ride thing, the stress of racing is um, – it's a lot. I mean, it's not just showing up with a gear bag and riding. I mean, I know for some guys it is, but it's planning travel. It's late night. It's working on stuff. It's making sure everything's just perfect. Um, you know, it's it's just a lot you go through. It's, you know, trying to, man, you know, I got to pay for this. How am I going to do this? Um, I, you know, I can't be sitting on the couch this weekend. I got to go. I got to gotta do it. I'm itching to go. How am I going to make it happen? But just going and riding sometimes, um, that's what I enjoy. In the off-season, just loading up and just going through the afternoon or whatever, not sure where you're going to end up, going out in the hill, taking a shovel, digging something out, having fun. Um, it takes you back to why you're even really racing. It takes you back to why you like riding motorcycles and your love for them. Because sometimes you get blind to it. You know, you get racing or, you know, you start having some bad luck or whatever, and you're like, man, I don't want to see another motorcycle. I can't deal with it. You know, these things are breaking my dang heart. But, you know, going and riding sometimes, um, you know, with no stress and no expectations from anybody or anything like that uh, is the best. It's, it's the best therapy for someone like me. You also do some non-national races. I guess the one that comes to mind was the Mama Tried show up there in Milwaukee, and you finished six up there on a concrete track. Um, did you enjoy that event? Uh, I, I love that event. The um, I missed the very first one ever, um, just because I it was kind of a smaller deal. But that second year they had it, I I saw the I saw the footage from the first year. I'm like, you know what? I I got to do that. That looks just too much fun. And I grew up racing a lot of concrete. That's kind of my thing. Um, Junior Merrill used to put a lot of concrete races on in Las Vegas when I was growing up, and I, I grew up racing San Jose a lot. So concrete is something that I love. Um, also rode a lot of mini bikes in my front yard, you know, laid out two tires 20 foot apart from each other 
and just, you know, rode one hundreds with my buddies. So I was blue in the face and I loved it. Um, but the mama tried thing, super cool event. Jeremy knows how to, you know, really pack the house. And I've never still to this day, I don't think I've been to an event that crazy with that much positive energy and so many people that aren't necessarily race people, but just motorcycle people having a good time. Um, that's refreshing for me. You know, that was like, holy crap, this is awesome. I love it. Um, and I'll race just about anything, anything like that. Um, I'll do, I'll do any outlaw stuff. There's nothing I won't ride. Um, just cause I love it. And I know some guys don't ride non-national stuff, but for me, you know, I don't always get my name out there at the nationals or, you know, kind of get forgotten. Sometimes don't have the best luck. Sometimes don't have the best ride. You know, I, I make mistakes. I'm only human, but to, to stay relevant in all of this, um, I think riding outlaw events and, and smaller, you know, stuff or money races, whatever. Um, that's the best. That's, that's good for me. It keeps, keeps me going, keeps me sharp. And I've just noticed with me, the more I stay on a bike, um, and the more I stay going racing, uh, the better, you know, if I start sitting around or whatever, and just kind of waiting for each national and stuff, I'm just, I'm just not as sharp. I'll ride every night before a race. I'll do all that stuff. Just because the way I look at it is, man, if I'm traveling that far, might as well race twice instead of racing once, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's what, you know, when I was racing, we tried to race, you know, if we were going to Sacramento, we tried to race Lodi the night before or, or you know, the similar things like you. And I've noticed a lot of the, the, the guys on the, on the, on the circuit aren't riding the night before or the day after anymore. So I'm, I'm glad that you are. And I like how it works out for you. Just like this last weekend, you raced and, and won the Galesburg short track the night before the spring Peoria TT. So congratulations on that win. I know it's pretty cool to win for George Mack and Mac daddy racing. Yeah, it's fun. I, I'm a big fan of Galesburg. It's funny. I, I went there the first time and I'm looking at the place and it's an old motorcycle club, kind of backwoods, sweet little cushion short track. I'm like, feels like I'm back home. This is, this is just too good to be true. I knew I was going to love the place and had fun the first time I was there. Um, I ended up third at the, at the Bob Walters race before the Peoria national. And, uh, I was like, man, I got to come back, you know, and place is just too much fun. Nothing like a little cushion, short track. And, you know, George Mack always puts me on and helps me so much. I mean, stuff where it's like, I'll call him a couple weeks ahead of time. Hey, George, let's, uh, let's do mama's ride again. Or you want to do that? I mean, could we, you know, if I bring some tires or whatever, or get some gas or however we can do it, could, uh, you know, I fly in, you grab me and we go. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, he's always down to go racing, and that's something I love. I mean, it doesn't have to be a national. It could just be a fun little money race, but he's always down to go, and that helps so much, especially, you know, how he's centrally located in Chicago like that, and I'm out in California. It makes my life easy, you know, so we, we collaborate we'll, real well together. We work together awesome, and George is actually, I kind of got a, oh, all this racing thing, kind of back to George, to be honest, because when I first ever got, started like i said i was a late bloomer i didn't even have i didn't have 85s i didn't do any of that stuff i had a, an fdr 250 is what i rode and that is you look one up it's a street bike in japan and they come with blinkers and all that stuff and it looks like an rs 750 kind of it's got that paint and i got the bike or my dad got the bike i should say from jimmy felice and jimmy rode it at cow palace at that legends race in 1999 and the bike was kind of sitting at his house and uh jimmy ended up selling it to my dad and that's what i started riding so it's kind of like an xr 250 motor in it air cooled and i'd ride that at uh this local short track called Calatilla. it's under a barn and i'd ride that and had had a real good time started having some kind of luck on it it was a real fun bike and then man one day i came home from school and you know went into the went into the barn and there was a, a crate sitting there with a crf 250 and it all lowered with my numbers on it and I was like, holy shit, this is, this is a dream come true. Like, oh, my God. And, uh, no, George, George had a CRF-250, and uh, he shipped it out. And, and just, I mean, that was the coolest thing. He, that was my first real race bike. And for him to step up like that, you know, just being friends with my dad, being a good family friend, and, and to help out like that, um, that was awesome. I mean, that was huge. That's kind of what really kicked off me going racing every weekend i guess you could say we started going to lodi and started doing that and all the eddie Mulder stuff and Junior Marrow stuff and you know it was like man all i ever want to do is 
win a junior Mario 250 class race. And all I ever want to do is win the top gun 450 championship. And it just, all I want to do is be an open a rider. So it just, it, it got the ball rolling for definitely feeding a monster for sure. I mean, it, it, it's, it was cool. George definitely, uh, I owe a lot of all this to George. Man, that is a great story. I love George Mack, Mack Daddy Racing. He actually still rides himself. I get to talk about him at sometimes at the Amateur Nationals and a lot of the Steve Nace races. So it's pretty cool that he's he's so deeply involved in the sport for sure. So let's jump into the 2018 season. What were your goals coming into this year? Well, after last year, um, I was thinking, okay, um, what do I? How am I going to do this? You know, Sam still wants to go racing. Okay. This is what we got going on. I'm kind of weighing everything out. And I'm like, well, you know, I should have a little bit more knowledge. I'm going to work as hard as I can in the off season to be as prepared as possible. But I want to make main events regularly and I want to score a top 10. I want to score a couple of them. I mean, obviously, I want to be in the top 10 every weekend. I want to keep climbing up the ladder. But, you know, at the same time, I'm a realist, you know. So if I could make the main event, you know, every weekend, that would be freaking phenomenal. And, um, you know, the whole class and the whole structure has just gotten stiffer. I definitely, like I said, in over the off season, I was in Milwaukee and I'm starting to find out, Oh, okay. Wow. People really are stepping up their stuff this year. And I thought I was stepping up, but everyone's stepping up just as much as me, whether that be physical stuff or, you know, equipment wise, whatever it may be, you know, looking at it now being X amount of races in made the main in Arizona. That was cool. We get to keep the number another year. Um, had a gosh the first three races we had nothing but mechanicals and issues like that and lost a rod bearing in atlanta and then had some issues issues with some throttle bodies in dallas um but you know looking at it now i just want to just keep making main events keep pecking away and, and be the best guy on kawasaki i can be and uh put indians behind me and put put anyone i can behind me and just be the best dude i can be on race day and uh keep trying to make the main events is all i can do and keep climbing i mean it's tough but uh i like it and i know i can do it it's just you know it's the preparation there is no room for error in the twins class it's 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 wild i mean i'm not saying the thing i mean the singles is, is just as stiff i think now i mean it's getting more and more stiff as well looking back you know a few years um but no it's just things are getting stiffer you know people are putting a lot more into their programs a lot more into themselves um and all it goes back to preparation that's awesome. I've, I've actually had a few people reach out to me through social media and people in the pit area, and that they say that you're one of the most determined riders out there. Do you do you agree with that? And 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 where do you get your determination from? I sometimes I don't know if I'm determined or just plain stupid, but I just <laughs> I love it, and I just I can't I don't know. Um, I got to keep trying though is my thing. Uh, I know. I know guys that I shoot, I was in my room the other day and I was looking around and I still got Bugs Pearson posters hanging up, cool bad posters hanging up, all sorts of posters. And I'm like, shit, man, I was lined up next to that guy. How cool is that? You know? So, and I know stuff like, you know, where them guys are at didn't happen overnight either. So I just, um, what else would I do if I didn't race is the way I look at it really. I mean, there, I can't think of any better way to spend my time and I love it. I like it goes back to me being a fan. I love going racing. I'll race anything. And it, it doesn't really matter. 450 stuff, twin stuff, whatever it may be. Um, I got to keep going because I just, I think about the, the good days. And when it's a good day, it's good, man. But when it's a bad day, it's real bad. So can't, you got to have the short term memory loss thing. So you kind of got to leave certain stuff in the past. But you know, don't forget to take your notes and write stuff down. And I guess it's only a mistake if you make it twice. So uh, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and stay racing, stay positive. And it's not always easy. A lot of people want to sit on Facebook and uh, be a keyboard warrior and then tell me what they think, you know, tell me this and tell me that. But unless you're in my shoes, you know, and unless you have spent this much time trying to go racing, and everyone reaches a level differently, you know, not everyone just, you know, clicks it off and never runs into issues. So, uh, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it for sure. But I just, it comes back to me just really loving the sport 
love racing. I love everybody I meet. And, um, and I'm just blessed to be able to do it. Like I said, I did not think I'd be able to be able to do all this that long. You know, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's so, so cool. It's all I ever really wanted to do. So you mentioned it boils down to preparation. So let's talk track prep a little bit because it's been a really hot topic this season. Uh, you made the main event earlier at the uh, Arizona Mile on a track that a lot of people struggle with. So what was, what was it for you that helped you put it in the main event that day? And talk about the track prep a little bit. Man, I, I think I have a little bit of insight on track prep just because, I mean, I know I'm nobody, but I got a track at the house. And I, you can ask a pitch. You can ask Mikey Rush and a few guys that have been out. And I think I can prep a pretty mean little cushion short track. So I, I kind of understand what goes into certain things. And I think water is our friend, and I don't want to get too deep into any of this, but I would like to see uh, just preparation taken a little a little more serious because, and I'm not talking about making it more enjoyable for us riders. I'm just talking about making it more of an enjoyable show for the fans. I've been sitting and, and kind of thinking about all this. I was actually thinking the other day uh, when I was flying home from, from Chicago, and when you only are allowed three, four lap sessions, you know, and one four lap session is a free practice, but shoot, even on that free practice, you're going out there trying to cut the fastest lap you can on lap one of a free practice. So you're riding a track and you're riding a real defensive line and you're trying to make the track as small as possible. No wonder we're out there riding around, you know, a foot and a half, two foot wide groove. We don't have any time to really lay rubber down. And I understand we're on a time deal. I get it. I know where the sport's going. I know we're trying to make it real TV friendly and trying to get it for a live format. I understand. But I'm just saying, you know, if we did have a little more time to lay rubber down, I don't know how you would do it. You know, we could sit here and talk about that. And I don't know. But it really goes back to going back to the Arizona thing. Um, I don't really know why it clicked for me. I seem to have luck on on the more messed up tracks for some reason but the crowd there is killer and um you know when they come in the pits they're so thankful for us riders just showing up and that's pretty cool there's not a lot of races you go to where fans are actually coming up and thanking you for coming and putting a show on so i always thought that was neat in arizona but i think what it boils down to really is there's just some tracks that just don't work for motorcycles you know and it's, it's nothing bad it's no hard feelings towards anyone or towards any promoters or anything like that but when you weigh out the odds, you know, 100-degree day, Arizona, day race, primarily sand. I mean, it's just, you know, a track that not really motorsports are done on. Um, there's just some tracks, I think. You know, we know Sacramento Mile is going to be good. We know Springfield's going to be good. We know certain things are going to be good like that. And, you know, some places just aren't. And I think it's cool that, uh, you know, that, we try to, to go to different spots. I would love to continue to race in Arizona, maybe just a different venue. You know, that might be something that they're going to have to, uh, to look into. So I think that's what some of it comes down to is just, man, some tracks just aren't good for motorcycles. And I know the track prep crew busts their butt. Um, I know maybe they're a little scared to throw water down at times. And, and I know it's the time restraint deal and we're, we're trying to, make everything a real fast show and whatnot. But, um, you know, the better we get a track prep, the better we can put a show on for the fans. And I know, and this is, I guess, the fan me speaking, I'd rather watch, you know, guys through your breasts on a while just getting after it on a big wide groove than a follow the leader and whoever's bike runs better down the straightaway can break out and make a quick pass and then freaking, you know, snap it back in right before it narrows back up on a notch. So, I'd like to ride on a bigger groove. I know a lot of guys would too. I don't exactly know how we're going to get there. Um, but yeah, that's all I can say. All right. I got, I got an opinion on how to put some more rubber down and there's a couple of different ways and a lot of different theories, but you know, when Ronnie Jones put on the Oklahoma city half mile, we actually, my dad actually reached out to some sprint car drivers and said, okay, here, we'll give you four passes a piece. Bring your sprint car out here to the half mile take your top wing off and keep your front wheels on the groove and let your back wheels put rubber down just outside the groove. What that did is it made a, a three or four foot wide groove into about an eight, nine foot wide groove. And it definitely worked and it served its purpose. Yes, I agree with you too. It, it does take a little bit of time, but 
to add more rubber on the racetrack, to knock off the loose stuff and put more rubber down, I think it, it makes for some better racing. I mean, there, there's other ways to do it, too. I mean, like add another uh, practice session, put some cones out there, some markers out there, and make you guys go above the markers. That's one way to do it. You know, like Steve Nace does it a lot of his all-star national flat track series races. Right. But there's a couple other ways to do it, and I, I would like to see a little bit more of that, too. I mean, I know, I know, like you said, time is, is very valuable. Putting on the show for the fans is very valuable too. So they need to they need to take a look at that. I think there's a little bit way, a few more ways to make things better. And I'm going to get off my soapbox right now and get back to James Monaco because you're the one I want to hear from. So we're halfway through the 2018 season. Has it been a success to you right now, or you want a little bit better to finish off the season? Nah, you know it's been a, it's been quite a bit. I've been riding the struggle bus a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, there's been a few, you know, outlaw races that have been fun and we've had some luck and uh, made a little bit of gas money along the way and, and all that and had some fun stories. But the national stuff, I've just been, I've been struggling. And I don't know, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's me. I don't know really quite what it is, but we'll get it figured out. You know, it's just, we kind of had just some setup stuff and, and you know I'm one of the less lesser experienced guys out there on the twins but I'm learning and I'm trying so I you know I appreciate Sam for giving me this opportunity but there's just you know little small mistakes that we all collectively have made you know in the pit that you know our night could have been better you know or our, we could have been in the show when we were a spot or two out just from you know small small little things um I hope we can turn it around um there's some stuff coming up you know, some races coming up that I know I typically go pretty good at and I'm more prepared now than I think I've ever been. So there should be no reason why we don't have a few more good showings for the rest of the year. Um, definitely. And, uh, hopefully see the 22 bike and, and quite a few more main events. That's my game plan and to, uh, be up there and, and, and doing the best we can and, you know, just being the best Kawasaki we can be and, you know, just freaking doing, doing what we can with what we got for sure. And, I know Sam's busting his butt and putting a lot into this and we're all working together real hard to, uh, to make it happen. Um, you know, sometimes we just, you know, we go through a slump and no excuses, just one of those things. So, yeah. Is there one particular race you're looking forward to, to, uh, for the rest of the season? Is there one you have in mind that you really can't wait to get back to? Uh, I'm a Buffalo chip TT fan. I'm a Peoria TT fan. Uh, Springfield miles always fun just because you know the thing with Springfield is man it is it is so hard to go fast Springfield because everyone's fast you know everyone can kind of go faster I think too so it's real tough on on some of the tracks you know they're almost too good to the point where it's like man you were fighting for thousands because everybody's so competitive um so I really like the you know a track that may be messed up or a TT track or something like that where some guys might struggle. Um, that's where I could possibly capitalize on some things. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to big time is I, I guess you could say I'm a TT guy. I really like them. I can't get enough of them. Um, like riding motocross a lot too. So maybe that's where that comes into play, but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I'm just kind of taking it race by race right now. And um, just trying to, you know, week before get my mind right and make sure everything's solid and, I know we're doing everything we can, um, so that's for sure. So after making the jump up to the Twins class, have you been thinking any about 2019? Are you are you sticking with the Twins class? I'll be sticking with it. Yeah, I don't see. Um, to be honest with you, Scott, I probably I probably will never jump back down in the singles class. I don't see it. I mean, I don't want to say never. I just don't see it though. Um, Growing up, all I ever wanted to do was ride a twin. Growing up, all I ever wanted to do was kind of, you know, be in this class. I know there's going to be a lot of different class structures going on and rumors going on. Um, I've heard some stuff where us guys on the Cali bikes may be riding a production class, if you will. So all the FCO7s and Cali's in one class and your Indians, XGs, XRs, and, and you know, race-only motors will be in another. So that's a rumor going on. I hope it's not true um, because you've got a lot of guys that are diehard Cowie guys or diehard Yamaha guys, whatever, you know, that want to race in the premier class. That's why they show up every weekend is to race the premier class, not to ride some, you know, not to ride a support class, not to ride anything like that. So um, I hope that doesn't happen. But no, I'm, I definitely, uh, I love riding the twin. 
um, I have a good time, and hopefully, uh, hopefully things won't turn a lot. Hopefully, we got some, we got some stuff we're working on for for next year. I just you know I hope we can jump on it quick enough to to make it happen before it's too late. Certain little things, um, but that's my plan. I don't I'm, I don't know the 450 thing, man. I love riding them, and like I said, I'll do all that night full of fun stuff, and uh, you know all the little outlaw races and indoors and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to stay on a twin as long as I absolutely can, for sure. Awesome. You you talked about riding the Alta in the woods, or you know, on on the free in the the free riding in the hills and stuff like that. Have you actually raced flat track on one? Yeah, there's a um, there is a flat track Alta that has been put together that Dale uh, Dale Liner Weaver put together, and we did some testing uh, out at out of my house, the short track out at the house, and kind of got a pretty good baseline on things before going up uh, to Salem. Um, they had a, a motorcycle show and event and race up there. And I think it's called the one show. Yeah. And so we went up there and, you know, I had never really ridden the flat track bike around a bunch of gas bikes. So when I was out riding thing at my house, I could lay down some pretty decent laps, felt really confident. Um, and when we went up there, it was just, it was a little bit tough. I rode, you know, the premier pro class both days. And it was like, man, I mean, being around other gas bikes is, is tough riding the Alta because, you know, you hear them pick up the throttle and you want to just pick it up just as much. And it's, it's pretty snappy to ride. So when you go to hammer on it, it's like, you know, you can't do the same things that those guys are doing. And it's almost like you need to wear earphones, music or something, because you got to block all that hearing stuff out. Um, it makes it real tough being around like loud gas bikes for sure. But when you're out riding by yourself or riding with another Alta, awesome on a moto track it doesn't seem to matter for some reason i don't know why that is but when you're riding like a tight you know like a little groove indoor race or something like that um where it takes some throttle control that's where it's tough i mean you got to have so much throttle control and you can't go out there and just be gouging on a thing because you'll end up on your head man that sounds like it sounds like a lot of fun but the one thing i was thinking about you know i grew up on a rotax and and when you let off the throttle, you're used to that back pressure, th- you know, slowing you down. I heard that that right. Alta, it kind of freewheels, like more like when you're on a two-stroke. Is that right? Well, and that's that's the cool thing about the bike itself is you can, you know, you can make it freewheel more or you can add engine braking in. There's so many possibilities to it. Um, it's just very on off i mean you're either kind of on or off the thing so we've been working on some different stuff like weighted flywheels and stuff for the bike to kind of get the power to the ground a little bit more and not and just not make it so abrupt make it more kind of rider friendly and you know not only just for the flat track stuff but they've been uh, working on some weighted flywheels for their motocross stuff as well and they've done some testing and, and so far some of the riders really enjoy it so um yeah, no, definitely making some strides in a, in a positive direction, but the tuning capabilities of the bike are, are endless. You can kind of do really whatever you want. It's what you want or suggest, you know, they can, they can put into the bike. Uh, it's a trip. I mean, it's, it's definitely some next level stuff and it's, it's definitely cool to be a part of cause you know, it's, I'm a part of something that's bigger than me and it's just definitely, uh, it's the future. I mean, I know a lot of older guys are going to say, no way, it's never going to work this, that, but you know give them a little bit of time you know it's 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 the progress they've made in the last year year and a half i've been working with them from their 17 production mx model to their 18 model is huge i mean not only with big suspension upgrades but you know battery longevity and the thermal limiting stuff um huge huge you know strides in the right direction so pretty awesome that's really cool get some uh to insight on the Alta motorcycle. I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of them out there on the road and maybe on the racetrack too. But um, now it's time for Graham's question. That's uh, Kathy Dubler, and, and she uh, loves seeing you race at Queen Creek. She's impressed with your talent on short tracks, and she said, are they your favorite type of tracks? I'd, I guess I'd probably say so. I, I grew up riding a lot of short track stuff, mainly cushions. Um, so I really enjoy that a lot. Um, kind of my thing i got i got a little cushion short track at the house and you know during the off season just call the buddies up on a saturday afternoon and drag out the barbecue and pull the tractor out and water the track and go do some riding so nothing uh, nothing like a good short track and i usually don't pass one up there's one a night before race and it's a little short track i'll uh 
I'll do everything in my power to go and try to hit it for sure. Cool. She had a second part to her question. She said, were you ever a wrestler in school? She said, you can really wrestle those motorcycles on those short tracks. You know, I, I wasn't a wrestler, but I did. Uh, I played some baseball for a long time. I got to the point where I was just getting into high school, and it was like, all right, you know, you need to choose. You want to keep playing baseball or you want to go race motorcycles on the weekend? And it was just uh, looking back, I think I probably made the right choice just because I've had so much fun. Um, sometimes I was thinking, man, I should have stuck with that baseball thing. I probably could have got some more chicks or something. I just was, you know, got that nice, got that nice Letterman jacket, this and that. But instead, uh, said I thought it was a better idea to go racing. But looking back, no regrets for sure. I'm, I'm glad I, uh, I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. It's so cool. Awesome. Awesome. One more thing. Graham definitely wants a shirt. She said she's going to try to get one from you at the Oklahoma City Mile. Is that okay? I will have her size and I'll have it waiting for her. Sounds good. So now it's time for our rapid fire questions. I want you to tell me the first thing that you think of when I ask you these next few questions. Okay, you ready? You got it. Why are you number 22? Nick Cummings, big Nick Cummings fan growing up. Uh, I like it. Got a lot of good history. Okay. What's your favorite place to eat when you're on the road? Ah, Chick-fil-A. I know Bo Thompson hates that place, but man, I can't get enough of it. It's pretty dang good i just don't have one where i'm at so it's like i love it cannot get enough of it so it's kind of like us from the midwest when we go out west we have to go to in and out burger you have to go to chick-fil-a right that's, that's right and i still love in and out just as much as you guys probably do i can't get enough of that place either it's awesome <laughs> Who, who's a fast up-and-comer from california we should be keeping an eye on uh, i you know i haven't really been paying too much attention a lot to a lot of the kids that have been have been riding but uh i got a buddy actually started there's a, there's a kid coming up from modesto believe it or not my buddy cole um he's been out riding at the house his name's cole petit and he's a pretty quick he just started racing and he's been he's been knocking it out of the park the last few races at lodi has been winning his uh like you know 450 c class he's just been killing it so he's pretty quick um i'm not sure who all's going pro sport next year with with some of the younger kids uh, I know Clayton Williams might be going pro sport and Hunter Brooks and stuff. And all those kids uh, put on a really good show for sure. Definitely some fast kids. Um, we definitely have some young talent coming up though. Uh, I haven't been out to Lodi lately, but I know, I know some younger kids been going pretty good out there. So uh, I just tell them, keep it, keep it fun because it's easy to, to make this thing, you know, a lot less fun. So as long as you're having fun, that's what it's all about. That's what any advice I guess I could give to anyone young is um, keep it fun. And, you know, if it's not fun, then don't be doing it. That's all I could say. Right on. Do you have a favorite motorcycle? KDX 200, one of the funnest little bikes to ride in the woods. Uh, not the best suspension, but pretty cool little bike. I know a lot of people are going to be like a KDX 200 or 220. Really? I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're, they're pretty, pretty dang awesome. Um, a bike you could probably take anywhere and have a good time. I had one of those. They are a lot of fun. I, I rode it in the, in the trails out here in, in Oklahoma. I rode it up in the mountains in Colorado and uh, they're good for everything. I think, like you said, not a lot of lost suspension. So not keep your jumping to a minimum, but they're good motorcycles. So here's a tough one for you. Who's going to get the victory lap when you win your first Grand National? Yeah, so I guess whoever's really there. Um, I don't know if my dad will be there or anything like that, but, man, if I want to, well, hopefully someday I get to win a National, but probably whoever's helping me, uh, I'd love to give my dad a ride just because he's sacrificing time to, um, you know, put everything aside just to help me and my brother go race motorcycles. I'd love to give my brother a ride, too, probably because, you know, I made him miss out on a lot of crap just so we could go race. So, uh, you know, I, I owe it to all of them guys. I owe it to my mom and anyone, any family who's there. I know they can't always make it to the Nationals just because it's hard and, and life's busy and stuff like that. But really, I owe it to, to my family for sure. And just everyone who's been helping, it's it's not easy. I can't believe I'm able to still do it. So I just appreciate you guys for putting up with me. Right on. Who's your favorite motorcycle racer ever? Who is your idol? Mm. I'm probably going to have to say Kenny Roberts, but I look up to a lot of guys that I'm still racing with today. Kenny Coolbeth, I'm a big fan of. You know, Henry's pretty pretty stout, pretty good dude, always been a good friend, and I'm a fan of Henry. Um, 
Kevin Atherton, a little crazy, but uh, we got some history. <laughs> Kevin stayed at the house growing up, so a lot of love for Kevin. Um, got some road racers I like, too. I'm a J.D. Beach fan. Danny Eslick fan, for sure. Always been a big Eslick fan. So, right on. Absolutely. That's that's cool stuff. So, on that note, were you number 23Z because uh, you were a Kevin Atherton fan? That's kind of how it happened. Yeah, I was a big Kevin Atherton fan growing up. My district number was 23E, and then I was applying for a pro sport card at the time. And I was like, well, let's keep it alive, 23Z. And then I had that. And, um, yeah, so then the, the national number thing came around, and I was thinking about numbers and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I've always kind of been a Nick Cummings fan. I like that number. I think it's cool. Um you know, the history of it, Tommy Hayden, stuff like that. I mean, it's just got a ton of history. And just to be able to have it for, you know, to go race with is pretty dang cool. I've, I never thought I'd be able to have one. So it's, it's pretty sick and sweet. Love it, man. The Double Deuce, 22. James Monaco from Modesto. Man, it all goes together. You're part of the Modesto Mafia. Before we let you go, who's in the Modesto Mafia? Tell us about it. That was just kind of a little thing that was made up. I mean, uh, me, Michael Anderson, Bo Thompson, Damon Coca, my brother Dominic, um, just going to races, always pitting, always pitting with each other. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when we come to race, you know, all to each other and people start talking, oh, man, those guys are the Modesto Mafia, man. And then uh, a guy, uh, Nick Lido, made some T-shirts, the Modesto Mafia T-shirts. I thought that was pretty cool. We each got a T-shirt. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but. I never really thought it would take off like that, but we got to, it's not always the best reputation, I guess, to have, but uh, yeah, I'm a part of the Modesto Mafia. Right on. Man, I appreciate your time. I know you got to get back to work, but uh, before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, I want to, uh, no, I want to thank Sammy O Racing first um, for, for giving me an opportunity to uh, to ride at this level and to race with him this year has been awesome. And the memories we've had, uh, definitely some stuff i won't forget and i hope we can keep chipping away and progressing and having fun you know mom and dad thanks for all the sacrifice and dom thanks for uh putting up with me and and uh letting me do what i want to do and help me race and hopefully we keep having fun together and keep building cool stuff keep going racing and just I, I owe a lot of people a lot of thanks you know rod lake and and russell case and just a lot of people who have been been helping out the whole all the things been a great experience and um you know, just a, a lot of people who have just anyone who's ever let me crash on their couch or put some gas in my van or, you know, pick me up from the airport or anything like that. I mean, it, it means a lot to me. I know all this stuff is, is you know, going racing is crazy and um, it's not easy. You know, there's a lot of times where I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can't, I can't quite seem to catch a break or, I, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this or this and that, but it's, it's all the people that, that say, you know, keep going, man, you can do it. Is that, that means a lot to me, you know, guys like George Mack and stuff, just talking me through things saying, man, don't, don't get down, keep skipping away. You can do it. So it's, uh, it means a lot. I mean, it's not easy. I'm having fun. On that note, keep it going. Put it in the main event, the Oklahoma city mile, put it in the main event at the rest of them. And uh, we'll see you at the races. Yes, sir. I'll see you, Scotty. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right. I can't believe we're almost halfway through the season already. Time flies when you're racing fast. I'll talk to you all next week.